You know, it's really interesting. There's this thing, you know, Joe Biden, I think, has been running uh, for president still kind of mentally in 1995, thinks he could Donald Trump us by saying up is down, down is up, you know, two plus two equals five. And nobody's going to go look. Um, he doesn't realize there's this thing called Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and, you know, apps and all this stuff where people can find the things he said over a 30-year career. It's truly astounding. So, uh, right on cue, as Bernie Sand- right after Bernie Sanders apologized, which he shouldn't have. Sorry, Bernie bros and girls. I don't think he should have apologized. Uh, right on cue, Joe Biden uh, did an attack ad. Uh, on Bernie Sanders, you know, saying Bernie's campaign, you know, with the with the scary music, Bernie's campaign is sending out distorted, edited videos on Joe's record and blah, 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 and all this garbage. So credit to Bernie Sanders. Instead of, you know, bowing down further, Bernie came back strong uh, with, I think, a very effective digital ad, which has three million views right now. If you haven't seen it, here it is. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans benefits. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice, I tried it the third time, and I tried it the fourth time. Well, we've got some bad news for them. We are not going to cut Social Security. We're going to expand. Can I just say, whoever's doing the ads for Bernie Sanders' campaign, you know, when you're done with that, if, if you wouldn't mind maybe doing an ad for status quo, we love you. So these ads are terrific. That is a great ad. So that has up to 3 million views on the Twitter. The record is the record. I mean, what are you going to do? And by the way, I personally, I personally think Bernie's campaign, obviously their polling is probably showing that Social Security is a really winning issue for them. And if, and seniors care, you know, number one or two about their Social Security. So that's why they're hammering. Joe Biden, where does he go? You know, he he can't come back with a lot of advertisements showing Bernie Sanders calling to cut Social Security or calling to cut Medicare or calling to cut food stamps or calling to go to war, you know, all these things. It doesn't exist. So what is he doing? He's going to the comfy confines of Morning Joe. His friends, Joe and Mika, he's running to Morning Joe to fluff his pillow and protect poor old Joe. Middle class Joe needs to go to Morning Joe to get his, you know, head head patted and rubbed. Calling you corrupt. Uh, they also put out that clip that misrepresented your position when talking about Paul Ryan. Clearly you were mocking Paul Ryan and being facetious. But just last night, I want to put up a tweet from Bernie Sanders. He wrote this to you. Let's be honest, Joe. One of us fought for decades to cut Social Security. One of us didn't. But don't take it from me. Take it from you. They include there a video clip, a statement you made on the Senate floor in 1995 where you were talking about freezing federal spending, including Social Security. So it's not just surrogates and he can complain, but it's coming from the principal himself. They think they have an issue with you on Social Security. So once and for all, will you cut Social Security benefits if you become president? No, 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 no. 
And we weren't talking about cutting them either then. That was trying to figure out how we got through a debacle where the whole government didn't shut down. And so, look, it's, it's uh, um, <laughs> I find it amazing that we go back and look at statements, many of them, most of them taken out of context of 10, 20, 30, 35 years ago. It's like my going back and pointing out how, how Bernie voted against the Brady Bill five times, always trying to get it passed when he was at the House, or how he voted to, you know, uh, protect gun manufacturers. It's the only group in America you can't sue. I mean, he, he's made up for that. He, he's indicated that was passed. Um, but, I, I, you know, if you want to talk about things that are really different, um, you know, my support for Social Security has been solid my entire career. I did join with a lot of other Democrats uh, to uh, make sure we fix Social Security, quote unquote, made it solvent during the Reagan years. Um, but uh, look, it's all about making sure we have, you know, we have, we have one real obligation as to the very, as Hubert Humphrey said, the, the, very, the youngest among us and the oldest among us. That's real. And I've never walked away from that. Did you think these attacks from the Sanders campaign are dishonest? What I don't want to do is start to characterize them. I, I accept the apology and I hope we'll argue in the facts. So that was the equivalent. That was the equivalent of a campaign manager dressing in a suit, putting some makeup on and interviewing their candidate. I mean, that was the, that was the softest of softballs I've ever seen. So let me do what Willie Guy shouldn't have done. I doubt it has anything to do with the fact that MSNBC's parent company, Comcast, is did fundraisers for Joe Biden. Its top lobbyist is doing fundraisers for Joe Biden. Comcast has poured in hundreds of millions of dollars to kill net neutrality. And oh, by the way, Joe Biden's not on the record in support of net neutrality. Nothing to do with that. I'm sure Willie just, you know, went out partying too hard last night. So maybe instead of asking Joe Biden, uh, do you promise not to cut Social Security? You could just, you know, do a basic Google search and ask him, well, what do you have to say about the times you've called to means test Social Security? That's a cut. What do you have to do with uh, the times you've said we should maybe raise the retirement age? That's a cut. Instead of this logistic theatrics, oh, you know, it's now the principal saying it. It's now Bernie saying it, not just his campaign. Why don't you actually focus on the fact that this progressive has called to take away, not an entitlement because we pay into it, something that has been earned by the working class people he claims to be fighting for. Why don't you ask him about the several times, not just that clip that was deceptively edited. It wasn't deceptively edited. The, the times he said it in the 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s, the fact that as Sam Stein of the, Huff, uh, of the Daily Beast pointed out, Joe Biden is literally, as vice president to Barack Obama, was calling, was negotiating on behalf of Obama with Mitch McConnell, with Paul Ryan, to put Social Security on the table as part of a, quote, grand bargain. This is, this is public record. Even the most establishment of the establishment journalists acknowledge this. But they can't, they can't um, argue on the, on, the, on the merits. And that's why, in my view, since Joe Biden is under fire for his terrible neoliberal record, that's why you see Hillary Clinton climbing down from woke back mountain and trying and attacking Bernie Sanders, 
Thank you, Colin Tooley, with the amazing graphic. Maybe we'll put Hillary Clinton and some other figures at the top. Wokeback Mountain. It's unbelievable. Joe Biden cannot defend the record. So the corporate media is basically hiding that record. They are hiding his record from the American people, particularly the old people that are being hoodwinked into voting for him. You don't think that as soon as Joe Biden becomes president, we're not going to start hearing about a grand bargain again? You don't think as soon as Joe Biden becomes president, the deficit hawks are going to come? Please. So Joe Biden uh, was, again, asked about this. Bernie Sanders campaign is going after you on Social Security. And I mean... Kind of an unhinged response today, if you ask me. Let's take a look. Yesterday, yesterday you said you accepted Bernie's apology, and now you're attacking him. Why are you doing that? Why wasn't his apology enough, Mr. Vice President? Why attack Sanders? Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. Calm down. It's okay. He apologized for saying that I was corrupt. He didn't say anything about whether or not I was telling the truth about Social Security. So I don't I don't really know what's better. Joe Biden's that bad face he made. He doesn't only like touching women and sniffing little girls hair. He also likes shaking male reporters. So at least he's an equal opportunity weirdo. But I don't know what was more (laughs) creepy. Joe Biden's face or that reporter like, are you okay, dude? I mean, that reporter, I, I would argue this is ridiculous. Stop asking questions about, you know, the food fight. He apologized. Why are you attacking him? This is a primary. Would reporters stop focusing on, oh, this is, you know, not so nice. And, oh, this is not uh, proper etiquette in this town. And, oh, oh, oh. How about you start focusing on the record, the issues? So putting that aside, the reporter wasn't like, I mean, it was a reporter yelling because you're you're trying to get your question over other reporters questions i've done it many many times and joe biden turns around like a real weirdo and like why 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 first of all i'm gonna be honest with you and i don't i am not trying to be funny i am trying to be honest here okay a thought came to my mind earlier is it possible that joe biden truly doesn't remember his full what he has said in the past about Social Security. I'm not saying this to mock him, and I'm not saying it to be funny. It's more likely that he knows fully well that he's been a uh, warrior for entitlement cuts and this and that. But to me, judging by the mental decline that I've been talking about for six months now, that the corporate media won't say out loud, but is obvious to anybody who has two eyes and a brain, is it possible he really doesn't remember things he said in the past. I just don't know. I don't know. But the guy is coming off unhinged. And, I mean, you could go to Morning Joe. You could go to all these places and try to get, you know, uh, protection and this and that. But I believe there actually are more senior citizens, and I'm I'm not saying... All senior citizens uh, are 
establishment. We got a lot of older viewers that watch us, but there are actually older viewers that are on Twitter, that are on Facebook, that are on the internet. So they might not, that ad that Bernie put out that has 3 million views on Twitter, it's getting picked up by other news outlets. So they might not see it on Twitter, but they're seeing it in other, on other news sites that people 50 and above, 60 and above might read. And why I just tweeted this out before I went live, you know, I'm signed up for all the candidates' email lists, whether I like them or not, because I want to see what they're sending out. Joe Biden, I mean, don't get me wrong, Bernie's campaign sends out plenty of emails, mostly for money. But Joe Biden has sent out, by my count, six emails in the last three days asking for money. Two in the last five hours. I mean, look at this. He sent one at 948 this morning. Oh, that's 415. Sent one 414 this afternoon. Nowhere else to turn. Give me five bucks. And 948 this morning. And several of the emails that he's sending or his campaign is sending are saying they're surging. Well, if you're surging, why are you sending out two emails within five hours? Why are you sending out six emails in three days? Jen, who does our email marketing, by the way, if you have not signed up for Status Quo's email list, you're missing out. That's how we grow. Jen, is that, if you're surging, would you need to send out six emails in three days? Would you send out two emails within five hours? You're an email marketer. Doesn't seem right to me. What do you think, Jen? Let us know in the super chat. So all of this is going on. I told you this yesterday. It's very likely that Joe Biden is doing this because his internal poeing his internal um, polling is showing he's doing even worse in Iowa and possibly New Hampshire than the public polls are showing. So you got Bernie on the attack. You got Bernie's, you know, stuck in Washington with this impeachment trial, but he's still got Michael Moore is out on the campaign trail for him. John Cusack has been out on the campaign trail for him. You got Nina Turner, Cornell West. I mean, he's got a lot of high-profile people in the next two weeks before Iowa out there for him. So I totally why they are doing it from a marketing campaign standpoint. You missed a word. Is it I totally – oh, I totally see why. Oh, okay. Because I think to me if I'm reading that, this guy's desperate and I'm not giving him my money. Putting aside that I don't like him if he is – if he said if they're sending out two emails within five hours, to me that's not cool, good marketing. That's uh, something else. Maybe like the day before Iowa or the day of, but that's a lot of emails in in a three day period. So all of this coming. Sorry to steal uh, the hills graphic. We just don't have anyone to make the graphic right now. This is coming when a new CNN poll just came out showing Bernie Sanders. In the lead for the first time in CNN's SSRS poll, 27 to 24, uh, Warren, you know, uh, the, the frontal attack, the stabbing from the front that Elizabeth Warren did on her friend, Bernie Sanders, uh, seemed not only to not work, but to backfire spectacularly. This is what happens when you jump off Wokeback Mountain and try to attack your allies. It just doesn't ever work out. So you got Warren very far back. That's I haven't seen her that far back in a national poll in a while. You got uh, Booty Judge, uh, 
Bloomberg, 5%. Uh, that charismatic Amy Klobuchar, as the New York Times called her. And we're going to get to the New York Times. I couldn't do it yesterday, but I'm going to do it today. 4%. Yang, 4%. Uh, inside the CNN poll, I mean, this tells the story. CNN, October, Biden at 34. November, 28. December, 26. 24. Now, opposite. Bernie, 16 in October, 17, 20, 27. That is a stark decline. And I want to be consistent here. CNN, I've had issues with their polling because they wildly undersample. They wildly undersample older, uh, excuse me, they undersample younger voters. But I looked at this poll and this poll actually had more cell phone no, they, they contacted more people with cell phones than landlines. That indicates to me they contacted more people under the age of 50. Well, what do you know when they actually do polling and try to get a decent or close to equal number of people that they're polling under 50 versus over 50? Bernie Sanders does incredibly well. But there are two pollsters in particular that this whole campaign season, because Jen and I have looked at the polling significantly, are known for oversampling older voters. That's Monmouth University, and that's Quinnipiac. So, you know, Bernie doing very well in that CNN poll. Biden, as you could see, I mean, that is, that's a 10-point decline from October to now, the national polls. And that is the the last vice president uh, to a popular Democratic president. He's still popular, Obama. So I keep hearing, oh, you know, Biden's the most electable. He's the most popular. Well, everything that's coming out in the last few days indicates the opposite. Not only do you have that poll, uh, Newsweek story right here. A new poll just came out showing uh, head-to-heads against Donald Trump. Well, what do you know? Bernie Sanders has the biggest lead against Donald Trump. Survey USA has 4,069 registered voters nationwide, uh, you know, Trump versus the Democratic candidates. Bernie, 52 to 43, up nine points. Biden, up seven points. Why this is so important? Why this is so important? Yes, Biden is up, but it shows Bernie Sanders in a better position than Biden. Guess what? In 2016, it was the same exact story. Bernie Sanders, head to head against Donald Trump, was beating Donald Trump by a larger margin than Hillary Clinton. But you know what we you know what we heard? Well, you know, the media hasn't t- the media hasn't laid a glove on Bernie Sanders. Oh, the opposition research, they haven't even started with the opposition research yet on Bernie Sanders. I don't care what the head-to-head polls say now. You know, by, in 2016, Hillary uh, you know, the polling I don't care that Bernie's doing better. He he won't win. Hillary would win. Same exact thing we're hearing now about Joe Biden. The only difference is Joe Biden is actually a worse candidate than Hillary Clinton. At least Hillary Clinton could construct sentences fully. At least she wasn't sniffing little children's hair. At least she wasn't going like, woo to reporters. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And by the way, be careful what you wish for, Democrats. Because I got news for you. If the Democrats get to call witnesses for this impeachment hearing, 
I'm telling you, there's going to be either Hunter Biden or other people called that make Joe Biden look very bad. It might not matter for the impeachment hearing, but it's going to matter politically because Trump is an expert at canceling out his own corruption by pointing out others. That's what he did to Hillary Clinton. That's what he will do to Joe Biden. He's not going to be able to do that to Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders isn't corrupt. uh, They came out among black voters. 56% of African-Americans said they'd consider voting for Bernie Sanders. Basically a tie. 54% 54% said the same about Biden. I, you know, you know, it's always interesting to me. If Biden is up by two points, they say Biden's in the lead. When Bernie is up, statistical tie. It's the same thing with CNN. They're saying Bernie Sanders joins Joe Biden in the lead, even though he's up three points. Yes, it's within the statistical um, you know, margin of error. But the framing and how they, how they say it, oh, they give Joe Biden... They give Joe Biden the lead, even if it's within the margin of error. When it's Bernie Sanders, not so much. So let me get this straight. Joe Biden's main electoral argument, main electoral argument is, I'm more electable than Donald Trump. Well, polls, uh, I'm more electable to beat Donald Trump than anybody else. Polls are indicating otherwise. I'm more, uh, I'm doing better among black voters. A lot of polls do show that. Now polls are showing black voters are considering Bernie just as much. Frankly, I think the black uh, voters that are senior citizens, uh, uh, senior citizen African-Americans, definitely are paying attention to this stuff with Biden. Uh, I think Bernie's campaign should go a little further and say Biden tried to do this while he was vice president of Barack Obama. So I think this electability argument is falling apart. I think this electability argument is falling apart. And it's going to be interesting. I personally, I think it's a little too good to be true. I'm waiting. You know, Joe Biden is talking about all his his record is taking out of context and all this stuff. I'm very much waiting for the communism stuff. I think they're going to drop that lickety split because Elizabeth Warren's thing didn't make a dent. She fell back. He did not. Now you have uh, Hillary Clinton comes out doing this. It backfired to the point where she came out later in the day because she got she was getting so much fire at her, even from establishment people, for her saying, Bernie's awful and I, you know, I, don't know if I don't know if I'll support him. She came out walking that back. So the sexism stuff has not worked. Bernie's social security stuff seems to be working. So what are they going to do next? I think they're going to go with the communism stuff. I'm pretty sure you're going to start to see news articles, Bernie Sanders, and, you know, had strong uh, admiration for Fidel Castro. I'm pretty sure you're going to be seeing news articles. Bernie Sanders had very nice things to say about the Soviet Union. I'm just letting you know, it's coming. Unlike others, I'm not going to just bow at the altar to politicians, even those we like. I think that, I want to be clear, I am not calling for Tulsi Gabbard or Andrew Yang to drop out now. That is not what I'm saying. I think both of them have really, really grassroots support. I think Tulsi in particular has been treated truly, truly, sickeningly, unfairly. 
Um, I think that Yang has been blacked out, even though I don't support Yang. Uh, I do think he's been treated unfairly. But the numbers are the numbers. Here's the latest uh, New Hampshire poll. You got Steyer at three, Klobuchar five, Gabbard five, Yang six, Warren at 10, Buttigieg at 12, Biden at 15, Bernie at 16. So other polls have showed Bernie up a little bit more. Uh, But overall, I don't really think it's about what the actual polls say now. I think it's about what happens in Iowa. If the Iowa caucus were held today, and again, it's in a little less than two weeks. If the Iowa caucus were held today, I think Bernie Sanders would win. And until now, I've been saying I think it's a coin toss between Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg. I think Bernie's momentum is so strong right now. I think if it were held today, he would win. So let's assume for a second, big assumption, still got to win. Let's assume that Bernie Sanders wins the Iowa caucus. This is not about whether you like Tulsi Gabbard or you don't. This is not about whether Tulsi Gabbard has been screwed or she hasn't. She has, 100%. It's not about whether her voice belongs on a debate stage. It does, but she's not going to be in any more debates. She hasn't been in the last two. This is about cold, hard reality here, right? Tulsi Gabbard, in the majority of polls that I've seen in New Hampshire, has been between 4 and 6% at the high 6%. So, some of Tulsi Gabbard's supporters are saying, well, she's going to poll a lot better. You know, they're not, it's not taking into account, same sto- same argument that Bernie Sanders supporters are making, and I've made, by the way, that, um, well, they're going to bring out new voters that aren't coming, aren't showing up in these polls. If Bernie Sanders wins Iowa, right, and Tulsi Gabbard performs how we think we're going to, she's going to perform, I mean, right now, in, in the CNN national poll, she's under 4%. In Iowa, if you don't break 15% caucus to caucus, you, you don't win. You're not, your votes aren't counted in that caucus. So Tulsi, if she doesn't register in those Iowa uh, caucuses, if she doesn't get that 50%, I would assume her voters are going to go to Bernie. I, that's my assumption. So a question needs to be asked. Do you, would you rather Tulsi Gabbard drop out before New Hampshire and that 5 or 6% could not only make Bernie Sanders, not only put Bernie Sanders over the top, it could make Bernie Sanders win by 3 to 5%. He's not going to win New Hampshire by 20% like he did over Hillary Clinton. That's just not going to happen. There's too many candidates. But if you win Iowa, if you're Bernie Sanders, you're going to have more momentum in the more momentum than he's ever had in his political career, right? At the same time, if you won Iowa, you're going to have, I mean, what we have seen the media do against Bernie Sanders thus far, it's going to look like child's play compared to what would happen if Bernie Sanders wins the Iowa caucus between Iowa and New Hampshire. It would be unprecedented, the attacks. You are going to have everything they've saved and haven't used yet. They're all going to use it in that week. So for the people saying, Jordan, just stop, do, do this, do that. I'm going to tell you, I'm talking a political reality here, not what you hope. Not what you dream. If you want a progressive to win the Democratic nomination, if you want to beat the DNC rigging, to me, the 
best way, not the only way, the best way for that to happen is for Bernie Sanders to win Iowa and New Hampshire. And to me, if Bernie Sanders wins Iowa, yes, he could win New Hampshire, even if Tulsi's in it, but it's going to be a lot closer. If Tulsi Gabbard does not win Iowa and Tulsi Gabbard does very poorly in Iowa, I'm just being honest. You might not like it. You might love Tulsi and not want to believe it. She's not going to win New Hampshire. She, she, she's not going to win New Hampshire. She might outperform her polling. She might do 10% rather than f- 5 or 6%, but she's not going to win New Hampshire. So the question is for you, the Tulsi Gabbard supporter. Would you rather Tulsi support Bernie Sanders before New Hampshire? See that put Bernie Sanders over the edge and possibly have him win by a comfortable margin because he's going to get, he'll get the majority of her support if she's not, if she drops out before. It's just the reality. If Bernie Sanders wins Iowa and New Hampshire, it's lights out for Elizabeth Warren. It's lights out for Pete Buttigieg. It's lights out for, well, it's already lights out in my view, but it's lights out for Amy Klobuchar. Honestly, if Bernie wins Iowa and New Hampshire, It is a must win for Joe Biden in Nevada. If the last vice president of the United States, if the most electable loses Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, it doesn't even matter if he wins South Carolina. If he wins, if he loses Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, Joe Biden is not going to win the nomination. Yeah, you can make an argument. What about Super Tuesday, this stuff? It's also about momentum. It's also about a narrative. He's not, you can, I don't know of anyone that has lost Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. Now, sometimes South Carolina has come before Nevada, but Nevada is before South Carolina this time. So to me, again, I'm not calling for her to drop out now, but I do think it's up for debate. And I'm just keeping it real. It might alienate some Tulsi viewers who think, don't, don't bring this up. But at the end of the day, if you, Absolutely no. There is no chance. For example, when when everybody was excited for Bernie to go all the way to the to the con- convention, even though he had no statistical way of winning, everybody was excited about that and everybody wanted him to do because look who he was facing. It's not like, oh, if, we, if he dropped out, we'd have maybe not the candidate we wanted as a first choice, but we'd still have a good candidate. You were facing Hillary Clinton. That's why everybody was like, yeah, Bernie, go to the convention. If Tulsi Gabbard does that, it's possibly just because Bernie wins Iowa doesn't make it a slam dunk. He's going to win New Hampshire. If Tulsi Gabbard were to throw her support before New Hampshire, again, it might end up Bernie winning New Hampshire. If he wins Iowa, New Hampshire, basically it's 100% just Bernie versus Biden and Biden has to win, in my view, Nevada. And if he doesn't win Nevada, honestly, even a victory in South Carolina doesn't matter as much because Biden's not going to win South Carolina by 20 points if he loses Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Remember, Jeb Bush, who everybody thought was going to be the front runner, Jeb Bush dropped out after South Carolina. Okay? So all I'm saying. You could say, no, Tulsi deserves to stay in, this, that, and the other thing. If you want a progressive to have a chance to become the Democratic nominee and get around all of this rigging, which we report on the rigging every day, 
you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to look at reality. I also think if Tulsi were to uh, bend her support or lend her support to Bernie, it's a lot better chance that Tulsi Gabbard is gonna be uh, in the running for vice president, defense secretary, all of these things. So I'm just looking at it from a cold hard calculation. To me, if Bernie Sanders wins Iowa, this right here could be the difference. That five percent. By the way, I make the same exact argument for Andrew Yang. I don't think Andrew Yang is going to drop out because I think Andrew Yang is loving life right now. I think Andrew Yang, not that he doesn't want to be president, but I also think Andrew Yang is trying to raise his profile. Uh, But if Andrew Yang, who is not, in my view, even close to Bernie as far as being a progressive, but if Andrew Yang truly believes in a lot of the, the working class policies that he's been talking about, if he loses Iowa and doesn't perform well, I, I don't know why he would stay in for New Hampshire when his support could also benefit Bernie Sanders. I don't think we have time. This is not a moment for like message candidates. Not only do we need to defeat Donald Trump, we need to defeat the corporate Democratic establishment. So to me, I think there will be a real, real debate and a real, real discussion if Bernie wins Iowa to Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang. Do you want to keep your message going or do you want to help a progressive win? A lot of you might not like it, but that's the truth. The New York Times. The New York Times. Oh, my God. They endorse Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren. Um, I just want to give credit. My girlfriend got it right. I thought it was going to be Joe Biden. She said it was going to be Klobuchar. Well, she got it half right. She said Klobuchar, but she couldn't have expected that they were going to do this double endorsement nonsense. So uh, kudos to Anat for her uh, crystal ball of this. You know, to me, it was actually very valuable to read the New York Times endorsement and why they did it. Because if you needed any other indication of how out of touch these people are, how, honestly, you would think they're New York Times reporters, New York Times editorial board, how in some cases they're actually not even that intelligent because they don't understand facts. Um, It's unbelievable. But before I get into my take, I want to remind you Look at the New York Times faces when Bernie Sanders made this point to them. Has touched a chord in 40 to 44% of the people. What about that issue? It's like Trump is a symptom of a widespread problem. Yes. So, I mean, how do you address that? What is the issue? How did Trump become president? Not everybody, but tens and tens of millions of Americans feel that the political establishment, Republican and Democrat, have failed them. Maybe the New York Times has failed them too. That, that explains the appeal of racism? Yeah. People are, in many cases in this country, working longer hours for low wages. You are aware of the fact that an unprecedented way life expectancy is actually going down in America because of diseases of despair. People have lost hope and they are drinking, they're doing drugs, they're committing suicide. And when that condition arises, whether it was the 1930s in Germany, then people are susceptible to the blame game. 
to say that it is the undocumented people in this country who are the cause of all of our problems. And if we just throw 10 million people out of the country, you're going to have a good job, and you're going to have good health care, and you have good education. That's all we got to do. So all over the world, Trump didn't invent demagoguery. It's an age-old weapon, and you take a minority, and you demonize that minority, and you blame that minority, and you take the despair and the anger and the frustration that people are feeling, and you say, that's the cause of your problem. My favorite reaction was the uh, the uh, female journalist. I I don't know her name. When she said um, when her, when her face was like, it just shows you how out of touch these people are. Don't get me wrong, racism is a thing. Obviously, there are Trump supporters who are racist. I've gone through this many times, but because they are this out of touch. They don't truly understand or, frankly, to me, care that much about the economic misery out there in the country. And how can they? Most of those people in that room making their endorsement, which, by the way, the buildup to this thing, oh, we have to wait till 10 o'clock at night. It's an hour-long show before you give your endorsement. Don't think so highly of yourself. Not everybody is dying to, to know who the New York Times endorses. So... I knew they weren't going to endorse Bernie, but the reasons that they give for all this is where it truly stands out. And if you ever want to have a good argument with your neoliberal aunt or somebody who's kind of a limousine liberal about why they should stop reading the New York Times or at least not make their decisions based on the New York Times, write down what I'm about to tell you or record or play this video for them. So the first thing that stood out to me, they say... Senator Warren is a gifted storyteller. That's true. She certainly is a gifted storyteller. She tells stories. Um, She speaks elegantly on how the economic system is rigged against all but the wealthiest Americans and of, quote, our chance to rewrite the rules of power in our country. In her hands, that story has the passion of a convert a longtime Republican from Oklahoma and a middle-class family whose work studying economic realities left her increasingly worried about the future of the country. The word rigged feels less bombastic than rooted in an informed assessment of what the nation needs to do to reassert its historical ideals like fairness, generosity, and equality. Right here, the New York Times just gave it away. Elizabeth Warren feels less bombastic. You know what that indicates to me? Elizabeth Warren is just less critical of us, of our class. And when she does criticize our class, she doesn't wave her arms around. She doesn't yell. She's not angry. She does it in an academic way, in a succinct, proper way that we could discuss over Chardonnay. That is exactly what the New York Times writers are saying right there. It's not that Elizabeth Warren is making a more informed case on corruption, income inequality. I'd argue Bernie Sanders is more informed on this topic than anyone in the Democratic race or anyone in the country for that matter. It's just that it feels, it feels less bombastic coming from Elizabeth Warren. So, to me, that's what they're telling you. They're telling you she's less critical of us. And when she does criticize our class, 
it's done in a nice, smart, academic way, and I could read it in an in a in a white paper while I drink my Pinot Noir and avocado eat my avocado toast. So that was the first thing. Then you have the Democratic primary contest is often portrayed as a tussle between moderates and progressives. To some extent, that's true. But when we spent significant time with the leading candidates, the similarity of their platforms on fundamental issues became striking. Nearly any, that, any one of them would be the most progressive president in decades on issues like health care, the economy, and the government's allocations of resources. Where they differ most significantly is not the what, but the how. This is the same bullshit that the media was selling us about Hillary Clinton versus Bernie Sanders. Oh, they're, they're a lot more similar than you think. A lot more sim- similar than you think. And, oh, you know, it's not really them differing on, on the what. It's just how to do it. This is not true. It is. The, the policies are very different. It's not just the how. It's the what. Bernie Sanders is the only candidate for a single-payer Medicare for all healthcare system. Elizabeth Warren isn't for it. She could say she's for it in the third year of her presidency, but anybody with a brain knows she ain't fighting for Medicare for all. In 2012, when asked about it, she said she's for Obamacare. She wasn't for Medicare for all. She's moonwalked all over the place. She ain't for Medicare for all. That's not a, a, a how of getting it done. That's the what. Amy Klobuchar is for expanding Obamacare with a a vibrant public option. Biden, same thing. These are major, major differences. This is the difference between people living and dying. I don't care how Amy Klobuchar, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Warren, gift wrap it. A vibrant public option isn't a guarantee of health care. You got to buy in to this public option. You still have a private insurance industry, which makes a public government option weaker because the government option isn't doesn't have the monopoly on care. That's why single payer is so important. It gets rid of the duplicative coverage and the government sets the prices and all that. So Bernie said Sa- Bernie Sa- Elizabeth Warren could say she's for Medicare for all. She's not. If she was, she'd be fighting for it day one. But she's not for it. And it's naive and ridiculous to think you're going to get you're going to get a public option through Congress in 100 days. And then in year three, you're going to fight to get Medicare for all. No. This is the fantasy of I have a plan. She's got a plan for everything. But the Democratic Party, right? The Democratic Party calls Bernie pie in the sky. He's not going to get any of these things done. But Warren is proposing things that are even more pie in the sky. Actually, legitimately cannot work. Public education. Not everyone is free for for free public college. Amy Klobuchar, Joe Biden, free community college. Well, that's a difference. The planet is burning. Bernie Sanders is for actually tackling it as a number one priority. The other candidates aren't. Other than Bernie, Tulsi, and Warren, kind of, all the other candidates are for allowing fracking to continue. I I tell you, read Rolling Stone's new investigation on the radioactive waste and the radioactiveness that fracking wells are releasing around this country. Amy Klobuchar in a debate, the same Amy Klobuchar that the New York Times just endorsed said, natural gas is a, it's a transition, it's a good transition fuel. 
no, natural gas is killing the planet because of the methane and the radioactiveness it's emitting into the air and the water. So there are legitimate questions about whether our democratic system is fundamentally broken. Our governments are getting less free and fair. Congress and the courts are increasingly partisan. Foreign nations are flooding society with misinformation. So are you. Uh, A deluge of money flows through our politics and the economic mobility that made the American dream possible is vanishing. Both the radical and the realist models warrant serious consideration. That's why we're endorsing the most effective advocates for each approach. They are Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. Right here also gives gives the game away. First of all, we'll get to the fact that Elizabeth Warren is not representing uh, radical change. The fact that the New York Times thinks it's a radical position to provide for a government to provide its citizens health care shows that the New York Times is radical. That is a radical mindset. That you think it is radical to provide governments basic services like healthcare, that that's a radical take. And you think the realist position is allowing people to die because they can't pay the bill? I would argue that is the radical viewpoint. Pay or die. That's radical. But in the world of the affluent New York Times writer, they think it's radical to provide health care. They think it's radical to provide education. They think it's radical as the planet's burning to want to invest uh, trillions of dollars in that. It, It defies logic. Secondly, when they say Elizabeth Warren is radical or her positions are radical and she is the most effective uh, person from the radical viewpoint, what is radical about Elizabeth Warren? She's calling for fifty up to $50,000 of student loan debt to be erased. It's better than nothing. It's not radical. $50,000 of student loan debts is, is just a meal at the cafeteria for most. Most people have much more than $50,000 of student loan debt. She, you know, everything with her, it's kind of like in the middle. It's, it's some relief packaged as revolutionary, big structural change, but it ain't going all the way. She's going around having hot tea with a who's who of the Democratic establishment all over the country. She's calling and text messaging reports a couple of months ago said this Hillary Clinton. She's for the same U.S. foreign policy that we've had for the last 40 years. She voted for Trump's budget. Tell me what's radical about Elizabeth Warren. Maybe it's radical to these folks because they have, let me tell you something, they got really, really good health care as, as employees of the New York Times. They got great benefits. I've been to the New York Times building. They got a badass cafeteria. So I'd like to know what's radical. They say that um, at the dawn of 2020, some of the most compelling ideas are not emerging from the center, but from the left of the Democratic Party. That's a testament to the effectiveness of the case that Bernie Sanders and Senator Warren have made all around the country. Uh, no, this is the effectiveness of Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren just borrowed it. Let's let's be real here. We worry about ideological rigidity and overreach. And we'd certainly push back on specific proposals like nationalizing health insurance or decriminalizing the border. Again, they don't explain 
why we shouldn't nationalize health care. They don't understand why that's a rigid position when every other country, civilized country, has the same exact thing Bernie's talking about. They don't explain what what specifically is radical about this, what specifically is rigid about this. Nobody knows. But from the ivory tower of the New York Times, the highly, highly, well, well paid people, I'm telling you, most of the, I mean, there are some reporters that put their lives in, in danger for the New York Times, not in that room <laughs> that we're interviewing Bernie Sanders. They are sitting in their cubicles and ivory towers. They don't report. They don't go out into the field, the majority of those people. They're not talking to the single mother in a trailer park in Indiana like I've done. They're not coming from closed-down factories in Michigan. They're not going to South Bend, Indiana, talking to the black residents like Status Quo does. No, 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 no. So to them, it's, it's rigid and radical nationalizing health care. They also say uh, Warren sometimes sounds like a candidate who sees a universe of us versus thems who in the general election would be going up against a president who has already divided America into his own version of them and us. This has been most obvious in her case for Medicare for All, where she has already had to soften her message as voters have expressed their lack of support for her plan. So there's multiple things wrong with this. Number one, and in fairness to Elizabeth Warren, they're doing the same thing to Elizabeth Warren that they're doing to Bernie Sanders. They're trying to equate Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren calling out the corporate greed and us versus them, the 99% versus the 1%. I think Bernie does it a lot stronger than her. I think Bernie's a lot more sincere about it than her. I think she used to be very sincere. I'm not so sure anymore. But this us versus them is a populist us versus them. Trump is an us versus them of Islamophobia, of racism, of fascism. But the New York Times just equates it, you know, both sideism. It's all the same. Why do we want one divisive president? So we don't want Warren, who's being rigid and dividing us. We don't want Bernie, who's going to divide us. Got news for you. The country has been divided since it found, and the country will be since its founding, and the country is going to be divided for the rest of the country. That's just the truth. That's why, frankly, I don't personally buy into, I think she's sincere, but Tulsi's message of heal the world, uh, let's unite the country, I think she's sincere about it. I truly do. Uh, Other candidates who say this, I think they're full of it. But you know what unites people? Healthcare. You know what unites people? If you don't have to work two to three jobs. You know what makes people less angry and things cools down the temperature? If you're not clawing, just clawing with your fingernails to stay afloat. That's what helps unite people. That's what helps make people less desperate, less hopeless, and as a result, less angry. That's the truth. I mean, they're just so out of touch. And this this is why I said at the beginning of this, I don't even think they're that smart. Because do they not realize? All you got to do is look at the polls. Warren was in first place when she was with Bernie on Medicare for All. She was in first place nationally. In Iowa, she was in first place. In New Hampshire, she got in first place. When she was for Medicare for All. She starts moonwalking faster than Michael Jackson. All of a sudden, she starts sliding. She puts forward a ridiculous transition plan. Oh, I'm going to pay for it by... uh, comprehensive immigration reform. 
cutting the defense budget. That's how I'll pay for it. Oh, we're going to do a public option within 100 days. Then in year three, we'll, we'll pass a Medicare for all. This is when she fell, when she was actually had the courage of her convictions, whatever those convictions are, because they seem to change quite often. She was polling very well. She was a threat to Bernie. But she did her political calculation just like she did in 2016, and the proof is in the pudding. Then you have the New York Times saying Sanders would be 79 when he assumes office, and after October heart attack, his health is a serious concern. Then there's how Mr. Sanders approaches politics. He boasts that compromise is anathema to him. Only his prescriptions can be the right ones, even though most are overly rigid, untested, and divisive. He promises that once in office, a groundswell of support will emerge to push through his agenda. Three years into the Trump administration, we see little advantage to exchanging one overpromising, divisive figure in Washington for another. Good news, then, that Warren has emerged as a standard borer for the Democratic left. So let me translate this for you. Wink, wink. Warren's saying what she's got to say now, but, you know, she'll work with it. She'll work with us if elected, not Bernie. So there's many things they said that aren't true. Compromise being anathema to him points for a big word from The New York Times. Uh, Compromise. Bernie Sanders has never said he's not willing to compromise. What he has said is I'm not willing right out of the gate to offer up 50 percent like Obama did. My first thought. Um, is not to compromise with Mitch McConnell. We're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to, unlike Obama, who had a massive volunteer army, had his group organizing for America and basically left them and didn't utilize them. Bernie Sanders has worked with Mike Lee, who I think is pretty despicable on most things, on the, to enact the War Powers Act. Bernie Sanders has worked with Republicans and gotten many, many, many amendments added to bills. That's why they call him the Amendment King. Um, he, Bernie Sanders did not want Obamacare. It was not his preferred thing. But when it, when the writing was on the wall, when the writing was on the wall, Bernie Sanders fit in and, and compromised with the Democratic Party and gave his vote for Obamacare. And he got in $9 billion to Obamacare. So there's a lot, there's a lot of compromise here. It's not that he's not willing to compromise. It's that he's not willing to surrender right out of the gate what he wants. American capitalism is responsible for its share of sins. Oh, just just a small share of sins. But Miss Warren often casts the net far too wide, placing the blame for a host of maladies from climate change to gun violence at the feet of the business community when the onus is on society as a whole. Yeah, you know, it's society who sold the jobs. To Mexico and China. It's society. It's society that's why your factories are closed down, why the vibrant storefronts and little villages of business you used to have in your community now are just boarded up, sto- boarded up, closed down stores. That's society did that. It's society who's gentrifying your downtowns wherever you live. It's society why you're working two to three jobs. It's society why black people are being murdered all over the country. It's society why anyone in America can right now go into a movie theater, a mall, um, a, a uh, movie theater, a mall, a school, a, a market, wherever, and with a bazooka gun if they wanted to and blow up the place. Society did that. 
I think it's a, I think honestly at this point they're just trolling us and trying to make us go mad and it's working. It's working. So, last one. Last one. Um apparently Miss Warren's path to the nomination is challenging but not hard to envision. The four front runners are bunched together both in national polls and surveys in states holding the first votes, so small shifts in voter sentiment can have an outsized influence in this in, this early in the campaign. There are plenty of progressives who are hungry for major change but may harbor lingering concerns about a messenger as divisive as Mr. Sanders. What they're really saying there our readers are hungry for change, but Bernie wasn't nice enough to Hillary. That's really, that statement is basically speaking to the citizens of Wokeback Mountain. That's what it is. The reason that Bernie Sanders is divisive is because Bernie Sanders will not backslap politicians. Bernie Sanders will not call you on your birthday. Bernie Sanders, as he told them, doesn't tolerate bullshit. He ain't a perfect man by any means. But what they mean by that is Bernie Sanders isn't nice enough to us wealthy, affluent, educated people. He criticizes us too much. It's divisive. Well, apparently the American people are attracted to that. If that's divisive, the American people are attracted to it. Because he's leading in this poll. I've already showed you the other polls. He's doing very well in or leading. Now you have the new early state tracking poll. This is from Morning Consult. Bernie's up four points. That's right there within the margin of error again to, to Biden. How Tom Steyer is here, don't, ever, don't, don't let anyone ever tell you money can't buy, buy office. Tom Steyer is there because he is papering all of these states with commercials, including Iowa, including New Hampshire, including Nevada. Warren, I'll tell you what, controversial thing. If Warren doesn't do well in Iowa, if Warren comes in fourth place in Iowa, fourth or fifth place, she's not going to. But if Warren wants to prove she's actually progressive, if Warren wants to prove she's an ally, if she wants to make up for leaving Bernie at the altar in 2016, if she wants to make up for stabbing him in the front now, I say, if Tulsi's going to drop out, or if I'm saying Tulsi should consider dropping out, why shouldn't Warren? She supposedly, the media keeps talking about, she has the most staff, she has the most staff in Iowa and she has the best ground game in Iowa compared to anyone. Well, if she comes in fourth place, I don't know about that. I don't know what a path she has. Oh, I didn't even show you this. New college poll. This is from uh, Chegg College Pulse student monitoring. They do specifically college polls. You got Bernie, 41%. Warren, 21%. Yang, 12 8 for Biden. Eight for Buttigieg. That's pretty sad for Buttigieg if you're tied with Joe Biden. <laughs> and in Iowa, the same college poll, a little bit closer, but Bernie's still out in the lead. So I got news for you folks. 
It is. Right now, nobody should be complacent. Nobody should be content. Nobody should think this thing is in the bag. I promise you, the establishment knives are coming. I promise you, Joe Biden, who's saying you're taking me out of context, you wait. I am promising you. The communism stuff is coming. It's coming. The comments he made about Fidel Castro, the comments he's made about the Soviet Union, the comments he's made about Nicaragua, the, uh, they're going to go back to the 1970s if they have to. Comments Bernie Sanders has made. But at this point, I just don't know if any of that's going to be effective. I, I really don't. They could try to scare the living hell out of older people. But Bernie's campaign, I mean, as heartbreaking as it was for a lot of you watching in 2016, the fact that Bernie Sanders' campaign has done this before, and now they are, you know, obviously they're against the oil, but they're a well-oiled machine this time. They have a lot more campaign staffers. They have a digital operation that they have been building since his loss in 2016. Bernie's digital operation is better than some digital media companies. Last thing I'll say on this, I think uh, what's really, really critical here, and in a weird way, in a weird way, as much as the impeachment trial going on right now hurts Bernie just because it, it doesn't allow him to be in Iowa as much, it, bene- it also benefits him in some ways too. CNN and MSNBC are pretty much wall-to-wall impeachment hearings. Meaning, they don't have the time to do ridiculous stories wall-to-wall like Elizabeth Warren, you know, Bernie said something not nice to Elizabeth Warren. They, they, it's wall-to-wall. Even before the actual hearing starts, you have the pregame coverage on CNN and MSNBC. So they don't have as much time to put propaganda out there against Bernie Sanders. I mean, at least what I've been watching is wall-to-wall. On the impeachment. So Biden might put this stuff out about the communism, this stuff, but it's not going to have as much real estate because CNN and MSNBC, which that is where the older voters are watching. I'm not criticizing them for being old. Uh, That's just that's the audience. That's that's the average viewer is an older American. So I think that helps Bernie. It sucks that he can't be out there as much because he's got to be in the Senate, but it helps him because there's not as much, there's there's no time for the propaganda. AG, AG, you sure? Yeah, I'm sure they'll find a way. They could find a way. But the bottom line is it's not all day, which allows Bernie Sanders' campaign for, for a rare, rare window of time to be unopposed with their digital media operation. Because I think Bernie Sanders' digital media operation, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, whatever the hell, app just was created within the last hour is being is successful right now in neutralizing the corporate propaganda so if the corporate propaganda is not it you know if the impeachment is taking up all of the airwaves including in print papers most of the columns most of the papers less time for them to you know bring out the scary boogeyman against bernie sanders so right now it's as good as it's going to get for bernie sanders he's surging in all the polls I think there's going to be quite a few uh, banana peels thrown his way in, well, it's less than two weeks now, but it's looking good. It's looking good.